Ecclesiastes chapter 8 this morning. I found the book of Ecclesiastes to be very helpful um, in, in, a, in a number of ways, showing me how to, how to think about living life now in, in light of eternity, but also giving me specific wisdom knowing how to live between now and, and the time that I get there. And, and this, this chapter is, is no different. Psalm is going to help us this morning with a topic that, that touches everybody here. He's going to give us wisdom about authority and how we respond to it. The topic applies to everyone because whether you're a, you're a teenager under your parents, whether you're a, a, a tenant under a landlord, a citizen that's accountable to laws, a, an employee working for, for a boss, everyone in here this morning is under some kind of authority and you're relating to that even as you even as you you sit here today the bible describes different levels of authority and different differing responsibilities to it but but your response to authority will either increase or dramatically decrease your frustration level in life Specifically, life under the under the sun, which is Solomon's topic. Following his lesson on biblical anthropology, Solomon now makes a very logical connection in in chapter eight. He told us if a high view of God leads to an accurate view of, of man, Solomon will will say the most practical expression of both of those is is how we respond or how we relate to to human authorities. Human authority is one of God's gracious provisions that, that He has embedded in our, in, in our lives to, to regulate the, the fall. And, and how we react to it will either increase or decrease our irritation level greatly as we, as we live. Remember, one of Solomon's goals in writing Ecclesiastes is to help us see the world as it really is. We, we typically spend a lot of time trying to, to forget about or not think about the things that Solomon has forced us to, to view, like injustice and abuse and, and death and, and perplexing things, things we can't figure out. Life limited only to our time under the sun, Solomon says, is empty and, and vexing. We're, we're met with resistance and futility at every turn. Ecclesiastes is a commentary on the fall. Between Genesis 3 and Revelation 21, Solomon gives us, gives us a, a commentary on, on what life looks like. But Ecclesiastes is also a treasure map which shows you where the where the gold of wisdom is buried. It's, it's buried in a, in a field, we said, of, of Jonah-like mustard plants that, that, that things that look permanent, things that provide shade one day and then wither the next, but, but, but there's, but there's wisdom there. And, in learning how to respond to authority can, can, can be one of the, 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 the greatest lessons of wisdom that, that you can learn. It, it can decrease your frustration level beyond beyond anything else. And the opposite can be, can be the case. There's a natural connection 
between chapter 7 and chapter 8 because God is the absolute authority. And, and Solomon talked about fearing God. Fearing God is a, is a recognition that God is an absolute authority. And the very essence of our sin nature is rebellion against that authority. There is an authority and we don't want to submit to that authority. And that's those are the two things that Solomon's been talking about in chapter 7. God, as the creator, has the right to rule. He made us and, and not we ourselves. And as our creator, he declares what's right and what's wrong. And, and he calls us to, to, to an account for that. And his ways are, are good. His authority is for our good. And so the first part of chapter 7, God knows what is good for, for a man. And he tells us how to, what is good for, for a man. And then the second half of, of chapter 7, after the fall, our, our sinful hearts refuse to, to submit to that, or, or they want to submit on their own terms. We're born with a clenched fist, as they say. Psalm 58.3 says, we are estranged from the womb. We come forth speaking lies. Uh, parents understand that all too well. I mean, if you don't learn any lesson uh, in, 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 in parenting, you, you, other than, other than this one, you, you'll learn this one really well. There is a sin nature. Your children are not born as blank slates, are they? Did any of you have to teach your children how to sin? <laughs> it was just something very natural to them. How about, uh, did you have to teach them how to express themselves when they don't get what they want? You didn't have to teach them that either. Now, now honey, you need to speak up. Just tell mommy what you want. Now, you didn't have to teach them that at all. They, they, they very freely tell you what they want and how much they want it from the, from the very first breath that, that, that they take. All children, their hearts are, are like the, the little girl whose father made her sit while she was in time out. And when her timer went off, she declared, I stood up in the inside the entire time. That's what our sin natures look like to God. God gives us something good and we think our way is better. And he gives us a boundary and we step over it. And often, often we do that literally, but even more so, we, we step over it on the inside, even if we don't do it outwardly. And our response to God's authority, which is good, reveals how we view God and ourselves more than about anything else. Do you fear God? How do you, how do you deal with authority? Do you resist it? Do you, do you resent it? How do you respond to those who God has placed over you? That will reveal quite a bit about your, about your heart. A wise approach to authority is what Solomon will deal with next, because if authority is from God and it's good, then resisting or resenting it will bring frustration and increase futility in this, in this life. Solomon says a wise person is one who recognizes authority and submits to it, and he gives us six wise reasons to do that. Six wise reasons to submit to earthly or human authority. He gives us a theological one in verse 2. It's, it's your duty. He gives us a practical reason in verse 3, the first part of verse 3. Desertion of authority is not any better. A punitive reason in the second half of verse 3. There's, a, there's the drawback of, of punishment. There's a peaceful reason. It will go well with you in 
In verse 5, there's a principled reason, there's a proper time and procedure to to everything. And then there's the matter of proficiency. You're very limited, so you should submit to the authority that God's placed over you in verses 7 and and 8. Let's look at the let's look at the first one here. There is a theological reason to submit to authority. We must submit to authority that, that God has created because it's our duty to Him. Look, if you would, at verse 1. Solomon says, Who is like a wise man and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A man's wisdom illumines him and causes his stern face to, to beam. Verse 1 is an encouragement to heed what he's about to say. It's the change of a countenance uh, on a person's face. And then verse 2 begins the several reasons that Solomon is going to provide for, for why we should submit to human or earthly authority. Solomon says in verse 1, the, the stern or harsh face of the foolish is transformed into a countenance of peace and contentment when someone becomes wise, and wise specifically related to, to authority. Literally, the, the strength of his face changes. You've heard the statement, it's written all over your face. You've heard that statement before, it's written all over your face. Well, Solomon says when one becomes wise, the face changes from a, from stern or concern to, to radiant, from, from a calm assurance. Solomon says, imagine someone perplexed about something, scrunching their nose and furrowing their brow, or, or standing with a, with a clenched fist and, and their face matching what's going on in their heart. And then watch their face the moment that they gain wisdom about resting under authority, about the fact that it's not their, their responsibility. It changes to a relaxed peacefulness. Solomon just connected the heart with the tongue. That's what we heard about last time. Very convicting. Now he connects our attitude with our countenance. If the tongue is the dipstick of the heart, the face is the window that allows us to see what's going on on the inside. You can see what's happening on the inside of a person by the countenance on their, on their face. And, and Solomon talks about this transformation from one thing to the other. Grasping God's truth will, will turn wrangling wrinkles and a forehead full of furrows into a face of, of smoothed assurance. Solomon makes this clear connection between contentment in verse 1 and submission to authority in verse, in verse 2. Look if you would at verse 2. I say, keep the command of the king. Because of the oath before God. Solomon connects the king's authority with, with God. He connects contentment to that authority. But Solomon reminds us that God created authority. And our response to it influences whether we have turmoil and peace on the inside. And then that will show up on, on, the, on the outside. Human authority is God's agent of justice presently available to us. It's imperfect. 
We've already talked about a number of passages where where we, under the sun, are perplexed. Where, the, where we go uh, to to the halls of justice and, and we find perversion there. And that that's hard to deal with. God tells us that that He'll make all things right in the in the end, but that that's what God has designed the place for for us to go even right now. It's imperfect, but God's perfect judgment will come. But the divine institution of human authority was given by God to to help in the help in the fall. The passage that you know very well, Romans thirteen one through three. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from from God, and those who exist are established by God. The Apostle Paul establishes your response to human authority. He connects it directly to God. God's the one who is who created authority. Romans 13 goes on to say human authority is supposed to encourage good and, and punish evil. And, and we, we lament over the fact that the, the times that it does just the opposite. It encourages evil and punishes good. And that's something that 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 God is as embedded in the in the fall, the authority part. I mean, we don't need Romans thirteen if there was if there was no fall. We would all obey God. The government in this case wouldn't need to wouldn't need a sword if there was no sin in man's heart to to wrong one another. Well, Solomon says the person who has peace and contentment is the one who rests under that. Authority, and you do that because it is authority that that God has has ordained. Keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Now, some of your translations may apply the uh, the oath to to the Lord Himself, and that's because the Hebrew is is in a genitive, which means it could have a couple different options. So, it could be like the ESV, an oath that God takes, like. The, the king's authority is because God uh, made an oath. It's an ESV, or, or an oath to God, or, or an oath before God. The person submitting to the king has taken an oath to God to, to follow the king, like in the NASB or the, or the New King James. But either way, it doesn't change the point. Solomon's point is authority finds its, its roots, its foundation is is God, and so it's your duty to follow that that authority. Martin Luther called Solomon's plea here political obedience. It's not the same as absolute obedience, but sub- submission in earthly matters, unless it violates divine obedience. Uh, it, the example of this is paying your taxes, uh, serving in the military, following uh, res- resident laws of, of citizenship. Solomon says a reduction in your frustration as you live comes from seeing that authority is from the Lord and and following it. Let me illustrate that for you. Isn't there peace when there's harmony between a husband and a wife when they they properly relate to one another? As, As the Bible says, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. The husband doesn't have any authority in himself because he's better, but God has invested his authority in, in your husband. And to the extent that you submit to God, you, you will have, you'll have inner peace. You can appeal to God even if your husband's a knothead, and he'll, he'll be a knothead many, many times. And on the flip side, is there not frustration in a, 
And disharmony, and disharmony reigns in a marriage when, when there's conflict there about who's ruling and, and, and who's following. Think about a teenager or, or just about any child. Think about when they, when they get along with their parents, there's contentment, isn't there? How does that happen? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Authority is invested, parental authority is invested by, by the Lord. The parents exercise a, a God-given authority and the young person arranges themselves under the Lord through listening to their parents, obeying their parents. But when they chafe against their parents' authority, there's conflict, there's disorder, there's frustration. And if you have good parents, uh, some disappearing car keys or some other privileges may may go away. Solomon says your relationship to authority is one of the most significant areas of peace or conflict in your life. And if you stumble over this basic principle, you're going to be relegated to a life of difficulty. You're going to struggle because authority may change from your parents to your teachers to your boss, but authority will always be there. You see, if you submit to the Lord in authority, you'll have joy and peace and contentment. But if you rebel against it, you'll have frustration and, and conflict. And I can already hear one of the, one of the objections that's rising in your heart because it rises in mine whenever I, I come across a passage like this. What if the leadership is bad, right? Solomon's purpose here is not to address the leaders. Only the followers. He's not going to let you or me use bad leadership as an excuse to, to rebel or reject authority. Solomon has already dealt with the abuses of authority. He did that in chapter 3, 4, and 5. Here he addresses us, the followers. The purpose of wisdom literature is not to cover every single caveat or every single angle. In fact, if you approach a passage like this and you begin trying to figure out why ways it doesn't apply to you, that's actually an indication of rebellion in your own heart. The purpose of this passage is to deal with the general principle, and the general principle is your response to authority and your attitude toward authority. So don't fall into the trap to to use that to escape from what God is is saying you need to learn. Don't don't try to use the excuse of bad leaders to get around the wisdom that Solomon is is giving us here. God will deal with bad leaders in other places. He's dealing with with you and me right now and our response to authority. And how you respond to that authority says a lot about your response to God. And it's connected to the contentment that's in your heart, and that will show up on your your face. Solomon also says it's a delusion to think that it's going to be much better anywhere else. So you get out from under a bad leader, you're probably just going to get right back under another bad leader because all leaders are sinful. It's the second reason that he gives us. It's a practical one. The theological reason, duty to God, a practical reason, desertion is not a better option. Look, if you would, at verse 3. He says in verse 2, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. And then in verse 3, don't be in a hurry to, to leave him. 
Now Solomon is not talking about, as one said, how fast you walk away when you're leading the king's court. It's, it's not about speed of departure, literal speed, with your feet. Turning your back on the king was a sign of disrespect. That would get you killed in, in Solomon's day. The context here is a, is a courtier or, or someone who was in the king's presence regularly and wants to, to get out from under that. You might think of it like a cabinet level position to, to the president in, in, in our day. It was someone who was under, who was under a leader's authority and for whatever reason they're, they're wanting to get away from it. Maybe because he's a bad leader. Maybe because he's frustrating in, in some way. And Solomon says, don't be too quick to, to make that jump. That's what he means here. Don't be in a hurry to leave him. The wisdom Solomon is giving us is to not be too hasty to cast off or discard the authority that is over you even when you can. There's some authority that would be sinful to depart, like a, like a child to a, to a parent. There are others, situations you have options. If you don't like your boss, you can you can get a new job. You can, you can get a new one. But Solomon warns, don't be too quick to walk away from authority even when you can because, because you might go right out of the, the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> don't be too hasty to, to, to leave your job because you don't like your boss. Don't be too quick to disregard a church because you stopped liking the elders. Don't, don't be too hasty in, in leaving your marriage because your husband is overbearing. That one would be a sinful one. Because you can't escape authority no matter where you go. You will only find another sinner in authority the next place that, that, that you go. So try to deal with the sinner, not, not try to escape from authority. And, and guess what? If you do that, the, the issue of resentment, if that's what it is, resenting authority, it's just going to travel with you. If the problem is your unwillingness to submit to God, a new husband, a new church, a new job is not going to fix the problem because it's in your heart. And being under anyone's authority can be frustrating. I get frustrated with authority. I get frustrated with my own authority. (laughs) Parents can be overbearing. Moms can be disagreeable. Husbands can be contemptible. Bosses can be harsh. Governments can get it wrong. But that doesn't mean it will be better if you depart. Because of that, you must not be too quick to try and wriggle out from under it. Solomon says one of the most important lessons that you can learn in life is how to submit to authority. That authority is from God in verse 2. And now, how to remain under imperfect authority instead of running. And both of those are part of life. And if you learn those lessons, it's going to reduce your frustration greatly. We try to skirt the issue in verse 2 by blaming wicked leaders. I don't need to submit to my whatever because that person's not very godly. And the way we avoid authority in verse 3 is to blame poor leadership. It will be better if I'm, if I'm under someone else. And Solomon says don't be too quick to shift. It may just be a convenient way to mask your rebellious heart. Besides, authority is everywhere, and as one commentator put it, anarchy is not a better alternative. <laughs> It's true. This third reason. There's a punitive reason that Solomon gives us next. 
punitive reason to submit to to authority. Look at the rest of verse 3. Don't join in an evil matter, for he will do whatever he pleases. That's the king from verse 2. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what are you doing? It's a punitive reason. Solomon says, don't provoke through through doing the wrong thing and and do be prudent whenever you you question authority. He first says, uh, don't join a bad cause. Uh, rebelling against authority can bring consequences. Don't join a bad cause because the king will do whatever he pleases. The person in authority has power. This is a principle that my mom acquainted me with quite often through an instructive method called the ROD. Have you been under that tutelage? Those who go wrong will be made right, or as in my home, dance a jig around and around with a little keen chestnut switch. And I'm very glad that she taught me that lesson because it's much better to get a spanking by your mother who loves you than to be sentenced by a judge later in life who doesn't care a rip about you. Parents, don't abuse your children or take your sinful anger out on them, but don't neglect one of the greatest lessons that you could teach your children in life. Doing wrong has consequences. It's a universal principle, but the stakes go up dramatically the longer that, that, you, that you live. And so here's the punitive reason. Obey authority because it hurts whenever you don't. There's also some prudence here. Look, if you would, at verse 4 again. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what are you doing? Solomon says wisdom is also prudent because of those consequences. This is still under number 3. Derek Kidner said what Solomon means here in verse 4, wisdom knows when to, to fold its wings and keep its possessor out of trouble. This is the same question that Isaiah asks when talking to talking about God in Isaiah 45.9. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker, an earthenware vessel among the vessels of earth. Will the, will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Will the subject say to the king, what are you, are you doing? Solomon is not saying earthly authority is like God and never to be questioned. He'll deal with that in, in just a few verses, how to question properly. But doing so, he says, should be done with caution because it can have consequences. Let me explain what Solomon means in this way. You may not like the fact that the police officer gave you a ticket for only going five miles over the speed limit when you heard that they don't pull you over except for ten miles. But mouthing off to him might get you a second one for not having your seatbelt on, right? You may not like the fact that the, the TSA at Dulles makes you take off your shoes and the one at Lynchburg doesn't, but sarcastically pointing out that case is is not wise because you may be randomly selected for additional screening. Wisdom is prudent as it relates to authority. You may see a better way. 
your parent may may not say it right or or your boss may even do it wrongly but but pointing that out and and being belligerent or doing it at the wrong time can bring lots of added frustration in life and so you need to be wise and a wise person knows when to keep their mouth shut that's what solomon's saying solomon says it's not wise to go against authority because god established it you can't get away from it so if you're just going to go from one to the other they can punish you. And then he also gives you a fourth, a peaceful reason. There's a peaceful reason to submit to authority. If you would, at the beginning part of verse 5, he talks about joining in an evil matter in verse 3, the punishment that comes from the king. But now he's going to talk about the positives, the benefits. He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble. He covered the punitive side in verses 3 and 4. Now he looks at the looks from a positive angle. Submitting to authority can, can be good. You'll, you'll experience less trouble in, in life. A person who follows authority will generally have more peace than one than the one who doesn't. That makes sense, doesn't it? They'll have no trouble that comes from their relationship to authority. Now think about it. Do you know someone who is argumentative, especially towards authority? Whenever they come up against authority, there's always sparks that, that, that are flying. They're the person who creates conflict where none exists because, because of that they make waves. It doesn't matter who's in authority or where it's located. They, they always have to push back. This person always says, yeah, but. Maybe you have a child like that. Maybe you're like that. Solomon says, don't be that kind of person, and it will go well with you. It's a, it's, will bring good in, in your life. Being a fly in the ointment is unhelpful and unwise, Solomon says. And he's obviously not talking about speaking up against against evil whenever whenever you must. I mean, Solomon's not talking about going along to get along. He's talking about a disposition in the heart that, that, that pushes back against, against authority. The teenager who follows his parents' request to check in, even when he thinks it's overkill, will have less trouble than the one who simply takes five seconds to, to call or text. The student who listens to her teacher will have more peace than the one who, who doesn't. It's very practical stuff. If you want to reduce the frustration in your job, your marriage, your school, your church, if you want it to go well with you, stay under the authority that God has placed over you. And most of the time, that's exactly what will happen. At least there'll be less conflict than if you're the the argumentative one. There's a fifth one that Solomon gives. The fifth is a principled reason to submit or to follow human authority. There's a proper time and and procedure, if you would, at, at the rest of uh, uh, verse 5. For a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though, though a man's trouble is is heavy upon him. Up to this point, Solomon has been talking about the attitude toward authority, the, 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 
the foundation of authority being God, how you respond to authority, how it will go, how it will go well with you. I mean, it's all basically submit to authority because it's from God. And, and if you do, your life's going to be better. But, but now he's actually going to, to, to balance it a little bit here. And he's going to give you wisdom even in doing that. Solomon says while God established authority, he doesn't advise total passivity. Solomon now gives the balance that some of you have been waiting on. You've been sitting there thinking, but what about whenever authority is ungodly or unwise? Well, well, here's your answer. Here's wisdom related to that. How do you deal with that? And even still, he, he doesn't give us permission to start an outright rebellion. Solomon has already said, be careful rejecting authority uh, too quickly because of its quantity. And I think it would be remiss before we even say this to, to say that when Paul wrote Romans 13, he was under the Roman government. I think even stronger than that one is, is Peter. Whenever he wrote 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, dot, dot, dot. The, the emperor was Nero. I mean, that's pretty wicked leadership. But here, Solomon says a wise man will be alert to God's timing and proper procedures to deal with irresponsible authority. You're not going to straighten every crooked thing out, but but here he talks about a proper time and a procedure for questioning it. The words for for proper time and procedure that's that's given here in in verse time. Uh, a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. Proper time procedure about what? About a royal command, about authority. You've heard that before. It was back in chapter 3, talking about the sovereignty of God. There's an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven. That's Ecclesiastes 3.1. Solomon says just like there's a, there's a God-appointed time for everything under heaven, there is also a proper time and a way to appeal to authorities and even deal with bad rulers. Notice the context here is a troubling situation. The end of verse 6, though a man's trouble is heavy upon him. So this is not a pleasant situation. It may feel very urgent. But even then, those circumstances don't, don't demand a careless response. Let me try to illustrate it this way, the difference between what I think Solomon is saying here and what's permissible or at least the approach, because this is all about the approach, how you respond to, to authority. I think Solomon, what Solomon is saying here in this verse is there's a difference between Antifa, who are anarchists, and the American colonists who declared independence. There's a big difference between those two, two groups. Solomon has condemned the approach of disruptive, rebellious anarchy as thoroughly unbiblical. God established authority. So being against all authority is standing against God. But following the proper time and procedures, like the American colonists, I don't think is unbiblical. For many years, the colonists attempted to obey the king even to the end and appealed to, uh, appealed to parliament and, and, and did so nonviolently. I think they did what Solomon was advising here. 
And when that was rejected over and over and their, their attempts were met with, with more abuse, they, they continued nonviolently to, to, to appeal. They saw no recourse at that point, at the end of that, but to declare separation. And when they did, they were attacked by the crown to bring them back in line, and they defended themselves at that point. You see the difference? I do. One respects authority, appeals to it, and, and appeals even in its own processes, and only separates from it as, as a last resort in the face of unending abuse. And even then, they're willing to take the consequences if God chooses to bring them. The other, Antifa, is rebellious, defiant, destructive toward any authority, and cares little about timing or, or process. A different response in the heart. Bill Barrick said Solomon is saying a citizen must employ correct process at the proper time to present any disagreement or grievance. Use the channels of politics. I think that's what Solomon is saying here. Many biblical examples of this in Scripture. There's Jonathan. In 1 Samuel, there's Nathan. In 2 Samuel, there's Esther. There's Daniel and his friends. I mean, when Saul declared he was going to kill David, Jonathan used reason and appeals to his father to not sin against David. And when his father went after David anyway, Jonathan was loyal to, to his friend. When David took Bathsheba and murdered Uriah, the prophet Nathan, at the right time, wisely spoke a parable to David to show him his injustice and then declared boldly, you are the man. Esther didn't just barge into the king's court or or sow sedition. She appeals to the king. She holds two banquets, invites Haman, and then at the right time, she she wisely asks the king to save her life, and, and he demands who's trying to take it, and then you know the rest of the story. Each of these examples are not without dangers. Jonathan could have been arrested by Saul for rebellion. Nathan could have been rejected by by David, Esther could have been killed by the king. Daniel could have been eaten by, by the lions. And if those consequences come, you must trust God. But a wise man is not going to just go along to get along, but he is going to follow a proper procedure and a proper time, and he's going to respect authority even in the process of that. And a major reason that you should tread carefully in those kinds of matters when to when to continue to appeal and when and when to say the appeals are over is because you are very limited in principled reason and here's the last one you should submit to authority your natural response should be submission to authority because of proficiency you're limited if you would, at verse 7. If no one knows what will happen, who can tell him when it will happen? No man has authority to restrain the, the wind with the wind or restrain the spirit with the spirit or authority over the day of death. And there's no discharge in the time of war and the evil will not deliver those who practice it. All this I have seen and applied my mind to every deed that has been done under the sun wherein a man has exercised authority over another man to his hurt or to his harm. 
The last reason to submit to authority that Solomon gives is, is a proficient reason. Solomon says that you don't know the future, and so no one should desire to be out from under authority too long or too much. It's part of God's protection. Since only God has the power to know and declare the future, man should trust God and follow His his gracious provision and and the structure, the authority of life. And, And he gives four examples to prove how limited we are. Too quick to pull the trigger, figuratively and literally. Because you're not as smart as you think you are. Verse 8. Solomon says no one can control nature. No, no one can restrain the wind with the wind. No one can control death. No one has authority over the day of their death. No one can tr- control war. There's no discharge of the time of war. And, and no one can control the judgment. The evil will not deliver those who, who practice it uses the same argument that Jesus uses in John 3 when speaking about our inability to control the Holy Spirit in salvation. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You can't control the wind. Solomon says an evidence of your limitation is that you have no control over your death. You might think that you can delay it, but but no matter how much you exercise or diet, you can't prevent it. Just like you can't decide to discharge yourself from the army when war is going on. You might be able to apply for an early discharge in a time of peace for a financial or family issue, but, but your request is going to be denied if war is afoot just because you want to escape it. And no matter how wicked you are, you can't escape judgment, literally. Wickedness will not deliver its masters. It means that those who master wickedness can can at times put off consequences through more wickedness. But that won't help you escape God. And because of your limitations, it proves that generally you need to rest under authority, even authority that that may be imperfect. Look at how he wraps it all up in verse 9. I've seen and applied my mind to every deed that has been done under heaven, the sun wherein a man has exercised authority over another man to his hurt. Solomon says he's observed all these things and then some. He's observed these principles applied and he's observed them them misapplied. And in the end, he concludes that even God's good system of authority doesn't solve the problem of the curse. That's what he means at the very end here. Even in exercising authority over a man, it is at times to his hurt. But what you and I need to remember, the problem is not God's system of authority. The problem is what Solomon showed us last week, our depravity. You see, this, God's systems work perfectly with sinless people operating in them. Adam and Eve had no conflict before the fall. But after it, the battle of the sexes in marriage began. Government is God's good provision to promote service to, to mankind, but, but with sinners running it, it can be used to serve politicians and takes from others. Fathers can exasperate their children. Children can resent their parents. Bosses can abuse their employees. But that doesn't mean that 
that the parent-child relationship is bad or an employer-employer relationship is inherently bad. It's the sinners that operate in them. And God answer, God's answer to, to sinners is found in Jesus Christ. His kingdom and His righteousness. And because of the resurrection, there's a new kingdom coming, one presided over by, not by sinful men, but, but the righteous King. And His government will be known by prosperity and peace. His rule will be with righteousness and justice. And until that time, that same kingdom can reign in your heart. And you can find peace and contentment even under leadership that is at times sinful. But for that to happen, you have to submit to the king himself. The kingdom is coming, but you can have the king right now with all of its benefits. Is your countenance hard? Does your heart have a furrowed brow, burdened down by, by difficulties, chafing, resisting, resenting authority? Maybe some of that comes from your attitude toward the Lord. Until Jesus Christ comes and gives His peace to transform everything, He says you can bow the knee to Him and have Him in your heart. And that will greatly reduce your frustration in a fallen world. Won't you bow your heads? Father, I thank you for your truth. How practical, how clear. And Lord, it's not always easy. The principle's easy. Figuring out how to apply it and when to put these things into practice are is where the rubber meets the road. But Father, in general, we want our hearts to be be hearts of submission. If, if there's any heart that ought to be embracing of authority, it should be Christians. For as a Christian, we have we have already given up our rights. We've already sworn allegiance to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And because of that, you reign in our hearts until you reign physically on the earth, Lord. Help us in our marriages, in our jobs, in our homes, in our church, in school, in wherever it is, to respect authority, properly submit to it, appeal in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. And Lord, you promise it will go well with us. And Lord, if there's someone here that in their heart has never bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, they've never submitted to you, their Creator, the one who has the ultimate right, I pray that today they would turn to you, they would repent, they would believe. They don't need to know everything. They just need to know that you're God and they're a sinner. And they acknowledge that and they look to Christ as their provision. I pray they do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.